Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, the words being present have recently become common vernacular, but what do they really mean? Most people mean by presence that we are attendant, that we notice, that we're aware, and that we're responsive. What we don't always know and are not always present with is the fact that presence is something that heals us, that holds us, that awakens us to the deeper nature of who we are. And practicing presence, yes, means being attendant, aware, and responsive, but of and to that deeper essence. What we often don't know is that our mental and physical illnesses are often made up of lack of presence, that somehow we're floating around outside of our own awareness, and we do not connect self to self. So today, we're going to be talking about both the floating around and the presence that heals. You want to be here for the whole show today. So let's talk about the idea of being present. That's, uh, those are terms are fairly new to this sort of social genre of, of conversation. People talk about showing up, and that, by that they mean be present. Uh, they talk about, when they talk about showing up, what they mean is, you know, be dressed for the, appropriately, be, be, be aware of what's going on around you, be present with uh, the people that are there, have the right conversation, uh, pay attention. Step up to the plate. In other words, uh, don't don't be half-hearted about what you do. And yes, that is a form of presence, a- absolutely. But it's far from all there is to presence, because what the first thing we need to be present with is the self, not just the ego or the identity, but the authentic self. And that is where true presence uh, can be healing and and, uh, nurturing and uh, hold us and awaken us to the deeper nature of who we are. So so when we talk today about being present, what we're talking about is, is being fully aware in a given moment of the authentic self and its and its presence in its particular environment. So we can be present in a moment by just noticing what we're doing by when we pick something up watching our hands pick it up and and paying attention to what that feels like and what that what that uh uh you know what body movement is going on and what's really happening inside us emotionally in response to that movement there's so much that goes on in a given day so many movements so many breaths that we take so many things that we do but we're usually about 15 steps ahead of ourselves thinking about what we got to do next and what we got to do after that and what we got to do after that and so we're we're not really being present with what is we're being we're sending our presence ahead of us and uh, and we stumble a lot by doing that but one of the things that that I know that uh, our gifts of both depression and anxiety are is a sense of presence one of the things that can happen as a result of those two things, when we're we either, what we call classically depressed or anxious, is that we start being more attendant to ourselves. 
Now, I'm not encouraging people to go get depressed or anxious. That's not the point. The point is that those things are spiritual crises that draw us inward, and they they help us to become more attendant. But we don't have to get depressed or anxious in order to become more attendant. We can start being more attendant as we go through our days. And one of the things that, that happens as a result of being more attendant is we find more joy in a given moment. And we find more gratitude for what is in a given moment. Um, there are people out there who tell us that our joy is also dependent on our gratitude. And that our gratitude, if we build a gratitude list throughout the day or, or at least once a day, then we can um, increase our, our joy, uh, increase the um, abundance of our lives. And uh, I agree with that. I think we can do that. I don't think we want to do it ingenuously. I don't think we want to contrive gratitude when we don't really feel it, um, because that's just a game we play in our heads to try to trick the universe into giving us what we want. (laughs) But rather, I think it's more important for us to just be present in a moment, and therefore, because we are present, we can feel the gratitude sort of rising up from the authentic self, uh, so that it, it, it... uh, functions as at a level that it set, it it can experience what is um, in gratitude, and and we can be very very grateful for what is. Um, sometimes I walk around my home, which I love. I love my home, and I, I'm just very very aware of the the smells in the room, the uh, the hardwood floor. You know the fireplace. What 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 goes on? What what goes on with the books on the shelves? Um, that I pay attention to those kinds of things, and I'm just so grateful that I have this wonderful space to live in. Um, but if I don't pay attention to it, I'm less likely to be grateful, and less likely to to note notice all the wonderful things that are already in my life um, that I don't have to work for anymore because they're already here. So uh, when, when we're paying attention, it can help us to really become more fully aware of the joy that is already present in our lives. But something more than that happens when we begin to practice presence. And, and we're going to talk more about what I mean specifically by practicing presence in a little bit, too. But, uh, but when we practice presence, one of the things that happens is that we become uh, much more aware of our intuition much more aware of our emotions, much more aware of what's going on in our heads, much more aware of uh, the difference between the, the natural head and the second head, as the, uh, some of the Buddhists would talk about. They talk about not having to have two heads. We've already got a very natural thinking process that's organic, that is um, original, and does not need to be pushed or it doesn't need to strategize or figure out or, you know, worry something to death. It it just is. It just operates on its own without us pushing it. That same brain operates when we go to sleep, and it gives us dreams. Yeah. So that brain is constantly working. It's a head that works for us without us having to push it. And but we have that other that other head. Uh, that we have put on top of the other, and that uh, very commonly uh, is all about plotting out the next move or strategizing so that we won't have to feel anxious or figuring out how to get ourselves out of trouble or figuring out how to, you know, um, make sure that people think of us well or figuring out how to make sure we don't have to feel ashamed or, 
You know, these are all the strategies that we have in our lives that have everything to do with how we connect to the social world, the external world, uh, and our culture. And they don't have much to do with really who we are so much as, as trying to protect and survive in this world. There is indeed a lot of pain in this world. Uh, uh, there, there is suffering and there is pain. And as you know, if, you've, if you're familiar with Eckhart Tolle's work, you know there's a difference between suffering and pain. That we can have pain and experience the pain without suffering with the pain. And uh, the suffering is the, is the belief, it comes from the belief that we shouldn't have the pain. The pain is simply the pain. Um, and so, uh, but there is a lot of that in this world. And particularly right now in our social world where, where uh, we see in America the government uh, uh, seems to be awry. And it seemed there's a lot going on that we don't trust. There's a lot going on that seems to be harmful to, to the environment, to the health of, of, of the public, and to, to the general um, you know, well-being of the public. And, and uh, there's, it seems like that the government is betraying us in some kind of way. So we, we, we are feeling a lot of discouragement and pain. And then there's the suffering that comes with that. Um, so you know, we know that this thing is real, and what we want is to not be here for it. What we want is to dissociate ourselves from pain. We want to not have to be here for it. Um, and, and, and that is really, really common, and that's why we get into that head. We want to be strategizing so that we don't have to be in that pain very long. But what I've discovered, and, and it's a very interesting phenomenon, is that when we stop resisting the pain, the pain seems to have delivered its message and it goes away. When we invite the pain in, as Rumi suggests, that every emotion and every thought should just be invited into our home, um, we, we, what, what happens is that it begins to subside in its, in its intensity. And uh, the, the reason for that is because we have welcomed it. We have stopped resisting. So our, our biggest problem with regard to practicing presence is our resistance to what is. We don't want to be with what is. We want to escape what is. We want to not have pain. We want to not have trouble. We want to not worry. We want, we want to be uh, you know, carefree in that sense. And so we try to strategize to get ourselves back to a better place uh, so that we don't have to feel that pain. That's often what addiction is made up of. Addiction is very commonly a self-medicator for pain, for suffering, uh, that um, gets us to a, a place of dissociating. I'm, I'm not really here. I'm not really in my body anymore, so I don't really have to experience this pain, this suffering, this worry, this anxiety, this discomfort. I don't have to experience that, so I can just leave. Um, very commonly uh, with uh, depression, there's a sense of sort of not really being present with ourselves, a, a mild form of dissociation that comes from just kind of not really being in our own bodies, so to speak. Um, anxiety very commonly sends us to the ceiling of our lives so that we're not really present in our own bodies. We're just, we're just uh, you know, up in the air. Literally, people say we're up in the air. That's a figurative statement, but it, it's, we are, can literally be up in the air. We're just not in our bodies uh, because we're not present. And so, so uh, what can happen in an attempt to heal that is we can stop resisting 
the pain and bring ourselves back into our bodies and invite that pain or that worry into awareness and, and, and just be with it. Just be with it. Comfort it in that sense that we're going to sit down with it as we would a little child and put our arm around it and listen to it. Um, and that, that is uh, that not, not resisting is one of the primary ways that we can practice presence. So when we, when we talk about mindfulness, you know, you hear people talk about mindfulness, that uh, mindfulness meditation where you allow your thoughts to just rise to the surface and you watch the thought or you watch the emotion and then, you, and then it passes. And you watch the next thought or you watch the next emotion and then it passes. And so you're not really uh, judging that emotion or that thought. You're not really um, um, trying to dissolve that emotion or that thought. You're not really resisting that emotion or that thought. You're just seeing it, just observing it. Uh, and that's, that's called mindfulness. And so that's, a, that's one of the ways that we can be present by just being an observer without, an eva- without doing the evaluation. So what we typically do is we evaluate what goes on in our lives. We decide whether it's good or bad. Um, we're 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 busy with that whole evaluation thing, trying to tell ourselves that that uh, you know what what's happening is not good for us, or it's not good for other people, and so we have to stop it. We have to make it stop. And I'm certainly not saying that we can't intervene in our lives when we want to. We certainly can and should, as we as we feel um, the authentic self leading us in that direction. But I am saying that uh, the more we are in our heads about the business of trying to make it hurry up and go away, the less present we are with it and the less we're able to really resolve the problem. So we actually elongate our problems, uh, the the length of time we stay in our problems, by trying to resist them instead of just being present with them so that we can listen to what they have to say to us. And and then we come to solutions. That, That head that is organic and natural to us comes to solutions instead of us having to push it and make it happen. So there's a real distinct difference between getting in the river and letting the river carry us and trying to push the river. And that's the difference I'm talking about today. The thing about presence is that it is getting in the river and letting the river carry us, whereas lack of presence is very often made up of an attempt to push the river. Um, And I speak of that in metaphors because sometimes it's really hard to talk about it in any other way. But it, it works like this. Suppose I'm worried about something um, at my work or in my relationships or in my family dynamics. I'm worried about something and I'm ruminating and I'm having these thoughts that come up that tell me I need to do this or maybe I should try this or maybe I should try that or what will they think if I do this or what will happen if I do that? And I'm just all up in my head just ruminating it over and over and over and over and over again. The thoughts are just coming and I'm trying out various scenarios in my head and sort of plotting what I might do if they do so-and-so or if they don't say that. Or maybe I'm even trying to think of some lies I can tell to protect myself from shame. Or maybe I'm trying to figure out how to get away with having done something that I shouldn't have done. I'm just really anxious about it. And I'm trying really hard to to push it, to make it be something else than what it is. And so I do that, and I do that, and I do that, and I do that. And I I can do little else because my focus is so much on that that I can do little else. And, and uh, I'm in the process, I'm not aware of what goes on in my body. I'm not even aware of what goes on in that head that is my organic head. 
I'm I'm just aware that I am spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning, looking at this thing again and again and again and again and again, different ways, trying to figure out the best strategy to to figure out the problem. And all that happens by that is that I get exhausted. I haven't solved the problem. I haven't come to an organic solution. I don't feel relaxed about it. I don't feel that I'm comfortable with any kind of solution. I'm just exhausted. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the whole process. And if I've managed to get any sleep that night, which is dubious when we're that anxious, then then I might feel rested in the morning and I might just slip into a solution accidentally and think, oh, well, that's what I should do. But that comes from having gotten rested. So, uh, you know, the Jewish Tanakh and the Christian Bible has a statement in it that says, cease striving and know that I am God. I take that statement to mean stop trying so hard. Stop trying. Stop striving. Stop pushing the river. And then you will know that you are God. You already have the solution in your mind. The solution is already there. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to push the river. It's just there. And so uh, when we come to that place, it's a kind of surrender. It's a kind of saying, okay, here's what is. I'm just going to be with what is. And then eventually what is will give me some information about what's up next. And that that thing, that thing that we do, has the potential of creating a very peaceful life, creating an abundant life, creating a life that is filled up to overflowing with a sense of protection and goodness and loving kindness and those kinds of things that that, uh, that psalm I, I talked about uh, one of the last episodes of this show about uh, for the anxious heart. Um, I believe that was the title of the show. We talked about that Psalm 23 in the Jewish Tanakh and the Christian Bible that talks about how loving-kindness and mercy are going to chase us down. They're going to chase us down. And uh, that that idea can be very healing to us, that we don't have to go push the river. The river has everything we need, and we're in the river. So here we go. Um, so uh, when solutions come to us from that organic head, they're genuine, they're real, and they're peaceful. And uh, so that that gives us information about how we know the difference between that kind of solution and the solution that comes from the anxious, ruminating mind. All right, so we're going to talk about this some more right after the break. We're going to take a break in just a few seconds, and uh, we'll be back with more about practicing presence. So stay tuned. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Don't you just wish sometimes that life could come with a do-over button? We'd probably use it a lot more than we think. What if there was one do-over button you could use each week? Make that place the Voice America Empowerment Channel for Code to Grace, the Empowered Women's Guide to Life with host Marilyn Mosier. Marilyn and her guests will help you find the key to break free from the chains of your life and start anew. Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. If you are looking for your own personal journey of peace and balance while living and thriving in our sophisticated world, 
Tune into A Voice of Reason with Kathy Horton and Sherry Petro-Serdell. The show is one part spirituality and one part psychology. We have so many opportunities for growth in the challenging times we face today. On this program, we discover the resources and scientific breakthroughs to master the challenges and find success. Listen every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red's says Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll free. 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about practicing presence. And what we've said thus far is that presence is, a, is, is full awareness. It's full awareness of a moment, full awareness of what's going on inside us and outside of us in a given moment. And it is, it, it is uh, uh, a presence with the authentic self, not necessarily with the ego or the identity, but with the authentic self. And in that process of being present with the authentic self, we can also be present with the ego or the identity so that we can uh, sit back in the authentic self and observe the ego doing what it does or the identity doing what it does. Uh, I use I don't I'm not real comfortable with the term ego because I don't believe that the way it's typically used is the way it actually is. I believe that the ego is actually just a liaison between the inner world and the outer world. It is meant to help us uh, sort out the distinctions between those and make boundaries where they're supposed to be and uh, not live too much in the inner world and not live too much in the outer world. It's supposed to create some balance. Um, when it's healthy, it does create that balance. When it's unhealthy, there's an imbalance. And so we're either too internal or too external. And when we're too internal, we might have hallucinations and delusions. Um, when we're too external, we may have uh, we may be so identified with the culture of the society that we would have no awareness of who we are. Um, but uh, so ego, I think, is a misplaced term very commonly because it's generally used as what I would now call identity. An identity is made up of, of, of um, the projections that we interjected as children um, to become something that we thought our family needed for us to be in order to fit in with that family. And uh, so we may have some awareness of the authentic self or we may have no awareness of the authentic self. But uh, to the degree that we have that awareness, we, we can feel some tension between the two, the identity and the authentic self, where the authentic self may want something that the identity is saying, no, you can't have that because that's not what we do in our family. Um, 
But, uh, but if we don't have uh, an awareness of the distinctions between the two, or if we don't have much awareness of the authentic self, then we can be so identified with the identity that we don't, um, that, that we just live that out without ever experiencing any internal conflict between the two. Most of the people that I see in my practice have some awareness of the authentic self before they ever walk in the door. And I think that's pretty common for a lot of people, that there's some sense that there's somebody inside of me who wants something, and I'm not giving it to it. And I want to give that to myself, but I can't seem to let myself do it. Um, and uh, so that, that tension creates a, a, a problem that needs to be solved, and so they come to therapy to solve the problem. Um, but what, what happens so often is that because we're not attendant, we're not aware we're not present with the authentic self. We live into the identity more often than not. Most of our choices come from that identity instead of coming from who we actually are. And um, we may even know that that's not what we really want to do. But we do it anyway because we feel that sense of, of duty or obligation or connection to other people that makes us have to feel that we have to do it. Um, so... So we talk a lot about that identity and the authentic self on this show, and I think one of the most important things about practicing presence is that it gets us in touch with the authentic self. So if I'm just sitting in a room and I'm paying attention to the light that's coming in from the window and it, how it's um, you know splashed on the wall, and I'm paying attention to the, the dust little particles that are in a beam of light, and I'm paying attention to how I feel sitting here in this room, and I'm paying attention to my breath, and I'm paying attention to the sound of my voice, and I'm just really attendant to what is right here in this room. I'm not all caught up in what might be going on in the political scene. I'm not all caught up in what's going on, you know, uh, down the street or what's what might happen tomorrow at work or might, what might happen or what happened yesterday that I'm still worried about today. I'm not all caught up in that. I'm just right here, right now. People say, well, isn't that mean, does that mean you have to just stop planning anything for the future? Well, no, no, it doesn't mean that. It means that, uh, you know, your plans will come from the organic head instead of from that other head, that what I would call a plastic head that we've put on uh, that's made up of worry and, and, and acquiescence to, this, to the social strata and, and uh, attempts to be something that we aren't, you know, uh, attempts to be other than what we are. And so what we, what we do is we keep working with this uh, presence to allow it room to um, stay present, allow it room to be, to allow us into the room. So we allow, we, what we do is we say, come into the room. I want to be in this room. I want to be here and I want to be now instead of I want to be yesterday or I want to be tomorrow. And that's where we get stuck so many times. We're in yesterday, we're in tomorrow, we're in a mixture of both, and we don't, we're not in today. We're not in this moment. And so when we practice presence, that's what we mean. We mean staying here in a moment and really being aware of what's going on in this moment. And so I encourage people to practice presence several times a day. To, you know, we, we, we might lose it. We might lose that sense of presence periodically throughout the day, but we can come back to it again and again and again so that as the day goes by, we become more and more present. And as the years go by of practicing presence, we are more attuned to that deeper self, more attuned 
to it so that we can hear it speaking even when we haven't been necessarily at that moment practicing presence yet we are present because we are because we have tuned in so much to the authentic self that it has come to trust that we're going to listen when it speaks um, so when, when, when the authentic self has been taught to go in the closets and to hide in the back rooms of our lives, what, we don't, what, we, what happens there is that we, don't, um, we aren't aware of our own intuition. We aren't aware of our own discernment. We aren't aware of our own emotions. We aren't aware of our own original thoughts, our own <laughs> organic thoughts. Um, so uh, when, when, the, when the truth of who we are reveals itself, we aren't there for it, um, and that's why presence can, uh, lack of presence can be damaging to the psyche, and perhaps even to our physical health. There are people connecting those dots between the mind and the body out there, and many people are really proving that there is that connection. And I think that the connection is made up largely of presence or lack of it. The more I'm not present with who I am, the more my body knows that I'm not really in it. And the more my body might have to drag me back to it through some disorder so that I'll have to pay attention to it again. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, the body is a very interesting phenomenon. We've had a couple of different shows over the past nine, almost ten years now at the Authentic Living Show um, where we talked about the body and what it's, what, what's the point of having a body. You know, if we're, if we're really supposed to be living in spirit, what's the point of having a body? Well, the body is part of the spirit. They are one and the same. One is just at a lower vibration than the other. One is just at, um, the body is just at that lower vibration where it is, uh, it's become physical form. And uh, the mind and the spirit may have a higher vibration where they don't have physical form except through the body. Now, so, the, so when my mind is, you know, off worrying and, and, and trying to push the river, then my then my body is disconnected from my mind, or my body is uh, perhaps molecularly responding to the worry. Um, and so, what's happening with the body? What's happening there? I can't say I know for sure what's happening exactly, but I, I do think there's a reactivity. I think the body is going to do something. It's not going to just sit there. Um, in the same way that if we have smog in the air, the trees um, become unhealthy. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you, if you put a, a vegetable garden in an unhealthy spot, the vegetables don't grow well. So it, it, we put our, our bodies in a mind that's doing all kinds of things that uh, are not being present, not being here, uh, worrying all the time or being angry all the time or, you know, being depressed all the time or being completely caught up in uh, the self all the time, then what happens is that we're, we're, We've lost touch when there's a disconnect between the body and the mind. There's a disconnect between the body and the soul. And so the body's going to have to do something with that. And maybe it's not just a disconnect. Maybe things are literally happening. Maybe molecularly things are really changing in the body that have to do with what's going on in the mind. Now, I am not, I want to be clear about this, I'm not one of those people that says, don't ever be angry because your body's going to respond molecularly. I believe that anger, like every other emotion, is a very important messenger to us, and it is giving us information. So for, for me, you've heard me say this before, if you've listened to my show, anger is your I am. 
It says, I'm here, I'm real, and I matter. And so we need to hear that message and we need to give anger its voice. Um, but if we don't want to live in anger all the time, that becomes bitterness. And, and so then it's not really delivering its message. It's just stagnant in there and just like a pall over our, our hearts and minds. So, uh, so, you know, we do need every one of our emotions. And so let me be really clear about that. I don't want to intimate at all that we need to push emotions away. We don't. We need to be hear them. We need to respond to them. My latest book, um, Letting Go of Good, Dispel the Myth of Goodness to Find Your Genuine Self, is all about being able to listen to those emotions and uh, tune into them so that they can give us the message that they came to give us. And when we, when we respond to those messages, we live a more authentic life. So uh, being present also means, therefore, being present with our emotions. Uh, we need to be present with what comes up, sit with it, listen to it, talk to it even, dialogue with it, ask it information, uh, talk, you know, have an argument with it. Do whatever you have to do to get the information that that emotion has come to give you. And once you've gotten that information, now you're in the organic mind. Now you're in the organic mind. Why? Because you've been present with that emotion. Um, so being present puts us back in the organic mind instead of that plastic head that we try to wear that, that keeps us worried and st- strategizing and trying to push that river. Um, so, so presence can heal us, and I believe that, that very often it is presence that heals us physically as well as emotionally, but it definitely can heal us emotionally in the way that I just described, in that we stay with the emotions that are come up, and they give us information, and then we can do with that information as the authentic self wishes to do. Uh, but, but, but when we're floating around outside of our own awareness, we don't connect identity to self. We don't connect self to self. We don't connect those, the, the way we are in the world to the way we are internally. And uh, so that, that definitely can create some, some disjointedness in our life, if, if not physical mental, or mental illness. Um, and what we want to do is uh, not to say that we don't also need to go to therapy or go to doctors or get medicine or do the other things that we need to do. I'm not suggesting that presence is all we need, but presence can definitely lead us in the right direction about which what we need to do to, to solve our problem. And uh, so paying attention to what comes up in our minds and following that is a thread that we follow. And it leads us to the next step that leads us to the next phase of our growth. And uh, so it's really important for us to, to learn to practice presence. And uh, Thich Nhat Hanh talks about walking down a road and feeling your foot on the road, feeling your heel and then the, then the arch and then, you know, your toes on the road. And what does that feel like? Be present with that. What does that feel like? So that you're taking each step and you're focusing primarily on what that feels like. What that does is draw you down into the moment so that you are really uh, fully cognizant mentally, emotionally, spiritually of what's going on with your foot and the sand it's walking in. And uh, that process is, it, it, he is a practice. It's a, a real practice you, to really focus and do that work. But what it does is put, it gets us into a, an alignment with uh, the spirit, the mind, and the body are all doing the same thing at the same time. 
And that's what we want. That's what I think authentic, authenticity really is. It is an alignment between the body, the mind, and the soul. So that they're all three doing the same thing at the same time. Um, very commonly, very, very commonly, we live with the mind over here doing one thing, the body over on the other side doing something else, and the soul hanging around, you know, outside the body and the mind and not really be, uh, being allowed into the room. And uh, that's a really disconnected kind of way to live. And that's why I think spirituality has become such a big deal in the Western world. Not only is it because that the Eastern religion has become so, um, we've become so much more knowledgeable about Eastern religion in our Western world, um, but it also is because we are hungry to connect again. We want the mind, the body, and the, and the soul to all be doing the same thing. We want them to be connected. We want them to be in attunement with each other. We want them to know each other and and know each other well, so that they 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 can walk the same path easily. Um, and that very commonly means walking the inner terrain, so that we're we're not um, just focused on the external world. We're not just focused on external approbation, so that we wait for other people to approve of what we've done before we can feel good about our lives. We're not just focused on that. We're focused on uh, just the beingness of being alive. And that means just being present. There's an old Buddhist saying that talks about, I mean, it says, chop wood, carry water. And I really love that passage because what it's saying is that if there's wood to be chopped, chop it and pay attention to that. Be, Be with the chopping wood. If there's carrying water to be done, be with the carrying water. Be present with it. And and be all in the carrying water. Don't be carrying water while you're while you're uh, also mentally doing something else. Don't be walking down the street carrying that water while you're also thinking about what you gotta do tomorrow at work. Be present with the carrying water. Be in that moment. And that is practicing present to be in that moment. So uh so that, uh, that Buddhist statement is one that I use a lot in uh, therapy. I very commonly will say to people, chop wood, carry water. And sometimes that phrase can have such a meaningful impact in people's lives that they begin to really wake up to who they are. That, 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 that just being able to be present with a moment allows the, the, the organic brain to kick into gear so that we can begin to think original thoughts and we begin to understand who we are at that really organic, deep, authentic level. And that, that, that presence is very, very healing, very peace-giving, uh, and it can become the dominant force in our lives the more we practice it. So we'll be talking more about that right after the break. We're going to be gone again for just a few minutes, and uh, you're going to hear some, some commercial breaks, and we'll be back right after that. Stay tuned for the last half of the show, last part of the show. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. If you're ready for big changes in less than one month's time, 
You're ready to tune in for Radical Change Now with Dr. Mary Oz. It's where healing meets the law of attraction in an engaging package. You'll hear from guests and callers as they share their stories, offer solutions to life's challenges, and much more. With Dr. Mary's approach, even a child could effectively learn and apply the concepts discussed on each week's show. Listen live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. The White House doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you always known that something different was possible for your life and in the world? What if you could create beyond your current reality? If your relationships, finances, business, health, and life could be anything, what would they be? Join Heather Nichols for an invitation to discover what is true for you in every area of your life and for conversations loaded with pragmatic tools for how to create it. Listen live every Monday at noon Pacific and 9 p.m. Central European time for Creating Beyond Reality on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Okay, so we've been talking today about practicing presence, and what we've said so far is that practicing presence is something we can do deliberately and consciously. We can take uh, several moments of a day and just start tuning into what's going on inside of our bodies and right in the room where we are and closing out any other thoughts, focusing really completely on just where I am right now and really being present with that, breathing it in, allowing it to be what it is. And not trying to change it, not trying to resist it, just be with it, just be with it. And uh, as we begin to practice that, what we begin to understand is that our resistance to what is, is a problem. Our resistance to what is, is what keeps us from being with what is. Um, as I've, I said earlier, what we tend to want to do is escape anything that doesn't feel extra good. Uh, and we have formulated all kinds of strategies out of that, including making money, including addictions of all kind, including um, just staying worried and depressed. Uh, all kinds of things have come from that, uh, that idea that we need to escape our problems. But if we can sit with what goes on inside of us and with go- what goes on outside of us without resisting it, what we come to what happens is that the organic mind begins to take over and we can create a, a creative response to out of that so now we're responding to life organically rather than just um, you know clutching and grabbing and, and trying to change and trying to push that river that we've talked about so that's what we've said thus far what I want to talk about now is the the essence of awareness and responsivity so 
what awareness is, is uh, uh, a kind of knowing that sits with, um, I know this is going on inside of me. I feel it. I'm experiencing it. I'm allowing that experience to happen. I'm allowing myself to really notice what's going on outside of me, what's going on in the room that I sit in, how it feels to sit in this room, what sounds I'm hearing in this room. Um, a lot of times, just before somebody goes uh, into hypnosis, uh, what people will do is get them attached to what's going on in the room. They'll pay attention to their breathing and just attend to it. You're not really trying to change it or do anything like that. You're just attending to the breathing. And then, uh, you know, sometimes uh, uh, they will say, you know, what do you hear in the room? Is it the ticking of a clock? Is it the birds outside the window? Is it what do you hear in the room? Um, so those are things that people do very often just before um, they begin a trance state you know, for hypnosis. And the reason they do that is because it enhances awareness. What we want to do is be fully aware of what might come up during a hypnotic trance state. And so we get prepared for that by being fully aware of what's going on right now. And in that same way, we can be much more prepared for life and how to respond to life by being much more aware of what's going on right here and right now in this room, in the sounds, in the places, in the experience of this room, both within me and without me. And so uh, what, what then begins to happen is we become much more responsive. So what do I mean by responsive? What I mean by that is that the authentic self steps forward and takes hold of a thing and begins to create something out of it. And uh, that is when we are really responding to life. Very commonly, we're either running from life or trying to beat life at some kind of game. Um, that's that's a really Western motif, and I'm not saying that it doesn't happen in the East at well as well. It probably does, but but I am. I, it is very definitely one of the things we do in the West that we we're either trying to outsmart or outwit life, or we are trying to run from life, and. Life is our friend. <laughs> Life is the essence of uh, the breath we breathe. It is the it is the power to be. It is it is that. It's, it's an energy. It is an energetic force. Um, it isn't all the things that happen. It isn't just all the things that happen. And that's what we think of life. You know, people say, "Well, life sucks," and then you die. Well, what they mean by that is there's a lot of things that happen in life that that we don't like. Um, and the truth is, and I, you know, this is a, a big astounding awareness that, you know, you can come to if you think about it. There is a lot of pain in life. There's a, a there's, there's stuff, you know, there's things out there that are happening that are not good, that we think are, are not good, and they are, um, they create pain. You know, uh, I, I feel a great deal of pain for children that are starving. I feel a great deal of pain for our country right now in the, in the throes of the labor pains that we're in, hopefully producing something new and better. Um, and I, I, I feel a, a great deal of compassion for other people who are in a great deal of pain. And I think sometimes the world is just so full of pain. It's, it's so sad. But then I also have to come to the conclusion that there's a lot of happiness in life as well. There are people having babies and they're excited and people graduating from college and they're excited and the people getting a new job and they're excited and there are people going through their every days and they're having a really good life and they haven't suffered a lot of pain in the past several years and things are okay. You know, so there's a, there's a lot of happiness in this world as well and I don't know, you know, 
yeah, I, I, I would ha- hate to try to measure out the, you know, uh, the, the weigh them out on the scales, which is heavier, the, the pain or the, or the, the joy that happens in life. So I'm not going to try to do that. But what I do think is true is that we can be present with both because both are our responses to what goes on, you know, those things that happen. But when we respond, we are in life. It isn't the happenings that are life. It is our energetic force that is life. And so we're coming from that that energetic force to respond to life, to to you know, as life. We're responding as life. We're responding as that organic brain. We're responding as the person who's in the river. The river being life. And and we're in that river and it's carrying us and it has a spiritual essence to it and it carries us where we're supposed to go. And if we trust that process, and that sometimes is difficult to do, but if we trust that process, we will find ourselves in a new place. And so... It's really important for us to pay attention to what it feels like to be in that river and to to notice it. When we get to the end of our lives, what I hope we'll be able to do is look back and say, I've had a real experience. But we won't be able to do that if all we've done is run from life or if all we've done is try to outsmart or outwit life. Life, again, is an energetic force, and it is in our bodies, it is in our minds, and it is in our spirits. It is a part of who we are. It is what the the the, the Chinese call qi, or the Hindu qi. Or it's, a, it's a very important uh, elemental structure of our beingness, and that is what life is. So life doesn't suck. Life isn't bad. Life isn't good. Life is just, it is. It is the energetic force of who we are. It is the energetic force of the air around us is the energetic force of the trees and the flowers and the plants and all that's organic. It's the energetic force of life. And all of that is, is one with all the rest of it. So it's just one, you know, uh, field of energy, energetic field. And uh, that's how Einstein described it. And that's how many pe- people that have, have come to understand the spirituality of planet Earth have come to understand it, that it's all one thing. And so life is the essence of awareness. When we are aware, we are in life. When we are not aware, does that mean we're not in life? I think so. I think that we're, we're, we're pretending to not be in life. We may not actually be able to leave life at that point because we, we, we can't really do that. Um, even when we die, there's something else that happens after that. So uh, when we... When we uh, when we're not in life, we're sort of pretending, I mean, excuse me, when we're not aware, we're sort of pretending that we're not in life. We're, we're sort of assuming uh, uh, an identity with uh, a reality that doesn't really exist. Um, we're, we're, we're duking it out with some idea about how life ought to be. We're running from some idea about how life ought to be. And in that process, what we're doing is avoiding the very energetic force that we want to be a part of. And that is the problem with not being present. And so when, we're, when, when we develop the practice of being present, what we begin to do is we begin to um, put ourselves back into life. Begin, we, we, we begin to um, feel the energy of, that is life that's running through our bodies, that 
uh, is running through our minds, that's running through our spirits, that is a, 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 the ultimacy of who we actually are, which is what I think we return to once we die. We return to that deep essence of what life is. And, uh, and so we can't escape it. We can only pretend to escape it. We can't really beat it. We can only pretend to beat it. What we can do is become aware of it. And that is a kind of surrender that just says, um, you know, I'm here in this moment. And this moment is here with me. And we're here together. And we're having a conversation. And we're just going to be here having this conversation. And that's what we're going to do. If you've ever uh, sat with a person and just looked deeply into their eyes while they were talking, it is, it's a profound time of awareness. It's a t- very, um, very powerful practice of presence to just look deeply into somebody's eyes. And I don't mean, you know, stare at them so that they're uncomfortable. I don't mean that at all. But I do mean to look deeply into their eyes and and to and and while they're talking to you, and as they look at you, you look back. That you're really there with them. You're really le- allowing yourself to 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 see beyond just what they're saying into what they're feeling, into you know how they're how they're being with what is going on, what they think is going on. And being present with someone means being fully attendant to that person. And when when you had an encounter like that, it is very powerful. Um, and sometimes very moving to have an encounter with another human being where you really are present with whatever it is that they are bringing to the table and allowing yourself to just be with it, not judge it, not tell this person what they should be thinking or how they should be acting or what they should be doing differently, but just being present with them, looking into their eyes and being with them in that. Uh, that's a very powerful moment. And in, in that same way, when we do that same thing to ourselves, when we look into our own selves that way, we also can have a very moving, very powerful moment because we are being present with, with a part of us that otherwise is sort of shoved away. Unfortunately, the authentic self is very often shoved away in favor of a mask and costume that pleases the world. But... Uh, but when we when we can be present with ourselves, the authentic self, what happens is that begins to unfold more in our lives. It's like we open the door to the authentic self, the, the door to that closet where it's been hidden behind that door for so many years, and it begins to step forward because it has an energy, because it is a life force, because it's not just this dead, dormant thing that we have to bring to life by forcing it to wake up. It has an energetic force, and it has all along. And if we can look back over our lives, we can very commonly see that it has spoken up at various points in our lives or has pushed us to do something at various points in our lives. And it has it has shown us that it is there, and it's an energetic force. But if we open the door a little bit, it begins to step forward because it wants to come forward. It wants to be a part of our lives. It wants to be expressed it wants to be known. It wants to be experienced. Uh, so, so you know, allowing ourselves to be present with the authentic self in that same way that we can be present with somebody else without judging it, without trying to push it to do something it's not doing, without resisting what comes up, just being present with it. What happens is the authentic self feels more free to come forward more and more. So practicing presence allows us to become more authentic. 
And that is the ultimacy of its healing powers, that it allows the authentic self, the genuine you, to be present in your body, in your mind, and in your soul. And that is very, very healing. So that's our show for today. Uh, We've been talking about practicing presence, and I hope that you've taken from this something you can use to begin to practice presence in your life. And we're going to be back again next week with more, so you want to be here for that as well, Wednesdays at 1 Pacific and 4 Eastern. Um, And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week. 